and we kind of got some traction just doing door-to-door -door sales, literally driving around with brochures and, and cards and kind of pitching as hard as we could. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Indie Bites, the podcast where I bring you stories of fellow indie hackers in 15 minutes or less. Today I'm joined by Dan Fail, who's the co-founder of Check It, a company that he's bootstrapped to almost 2.5 million ARR and 20 employees. There's a few interesting things about Dan's story I know you're going to like. This is his first company and he quit his job to go all in with three co-founders. He got his early customers through, and I'm not kidding, door-to-door -door sales. And finally, he's not changed his price since the launch of the product six years ago. In this episode, we learn a bit more about Dan's success story, some of the bumps along the road, and how he's taken a slightly unconventional path to growth. But before we get into it, a little less unconventional and more proven growth, which is of course SEO. And you know with the best tool to help you get that juicy organic traffic to your site, it's Ahrefs. If you want to see which keywords your pages are ranking for, understand how Google sees your content and discover how making changes on your site can help blow up your traffic, I've got two things that can help you. First, listen to episode 74 of Indie Bytes, where I speak to Ahrefs CMO Tim Solo, who gives a mini SEO masterclass. And then the second thing, you can head to hrefs.com slash webmastertools and try it out. That's ahrefs.com. Of course, just hop over to the show notes and use one of the links in there. Let's get into Dan's story. So what's the story with Check It? When did it start? What's your background before then? My background is on, on the finance sides. After university, I went and did small business banking, commercial banking. I took a contract up north in Canada. So it was north, north. It was small town <laughs> <laughs> called Depaw. And so that's where I met my co-founder, Miles. So we were just extremely bored up there. Started to kind of mess around with just building an app out, which I wouldn't call the first version of Check It. It was just kind of just for fun. Our first version was really having this mass promotion texting software that backed off of Wi-Fi. So you go to a restaurant, you log into Wi-Fi, you would give a piece of contact information like your phone number or your email address the business would collect that on the back end with with our software component and they can send out things like promotions and discounts and coupons again didn't have any formal background in in software or tech and really knew nothing about it didn't have a network or anything like that before you met your co-founder and started building this app did you have any other entrepreneurial stuff yeah, no really other side project, not during college, university, really nothing. Just went in all in on jacket and, and building something out. So is your co-founder technical? No, we're both on the business side. The two other co-founders are on the technical side. So this was back in 2016. How did Check It come to be a proper MVP then? And was this... Did you just sort of land on it and it started working straight away? Yes and no. Like, so when we built out a kind of our first version and product was very, very simple to sign on to Wi-Fi, they would give a piece of contact information. The business could then have all that data, the contact pieces, the send out promotions, coupons, stuff like that. And then because we worked in with just restaurants, we just kept getting kind of the same questions about, can you help us with reviews? So at the mm -hmm. time we thought our product was great it was like hybrid half and half half hardware which was the worst <laughs> probably our biggest mistake is worth working with these access points and trying to install the the software on there and then logistically going to install that in the business which was an absolute nightmare and then so working with the restaurants they just kept asking about reviews and helping manage those reviews so we eventually built out a dashboard for the general managers and the owners of the restaurants because they said, hey, we have to go to Google and Facebook and TripAdvisor and all these mm -hmm. different platforms to respond to reviews. And we said, okay, so we built out a tab on, on our dashboard at the time 
not really thinking it was going to be a hit, but that kind of helped us gain really the traction that we have. And so that opened our business up to the review management space. And we realized kind of quickly that that, that was like kind of the light bulb moment, like, oh, review management and the whole, there's a whole space here for this. So what, back in 2016, and you guys sort of banded together to start Check It, was this a plan to just sort of be a side product that you can make a bit of income, were you still working? And then what was the point where you went all in on this? Yeah, I don't think we ever really thought it was just a side project. We honestly just went all in. We're just like, we're going to build a great business here. I had quit my job at the time. I think Miles was working part-time, of course, just with financially, it's, it's tough, especially when you're not paying yourselves. And then the other two co-founders were, I think they were doing a little bit of part-time stuff here and there, but mostly full-time. So we kind of just went all in and made it happen. What, what did you have the conviction to go all in then? And did you build up savings? Because a lot of people want to get to that point where they start a business and they're making enough revenue or they can quit their jobs to do it. Yeah. Some people like want a clean slate, they'll save up a year of runway and then leave. Other people will just sort of build it up as a side project. Salary yeah. is the same or exceeding and then leave. How was that for you? I definitely had some some money stashed away at the time. So it, it helped me a little bit. But yeah, the first like year, two years wasn't easy. So I, I, I just thought personally, I thought I'm just going to go all in. Uh, worst, worst thing that can happen as I go back to my, my banking yeah. job. <laughs> Well, the, the thing that can quite often happen there, Dan, is people will have conviction on their idea. And they'll go, yeah, this is going to be great. I, I have to leave my job so I'll have time. But then they'll burn through all of their savings and their idea or product isn't as good as they thought or hoped it would be, especially when it's like your first thing you're doing. And like you, right. you've got three other yeah. co-founders around you, but that's still a really hard balance to strike. So at what point did it start? working for you guys were you revenue generating quite early or you know again we kind of got some traction just doing door-to-door sales which is pretty pretty door-to-door sales (laughs) well like going into restaurants and saying like this is our yeah that's how we got our first our first customers we just were literally driving around with brochures and and cards and kind of pitching as hard as we could (laughs) what was your conversion rate on that would you say but I, I think we did really well on that side for having no door-to-door sales, any sales on the experience. We did, I think we did pretty good. I think at the, looking back at that time, we were pretty, I would say delusionally confident, but like a little bit naive, I guess, which yeah. actually helps. People think being naive is a bad thing, but conversions were pretty high. We got our first couple customers like super quick. Like it was like one meeting, walk in, ask for the general manager, pitch our, what we had going on our our business and our software and signed our first couple customers and then got some traction pretty quick so and and did you start at 99 bucks a month and if you were how were you convincing that your product was worth it for the businesses yeah like we we did so we've never really changed prices we've always had a 99 i think that's just kind of led to our success too people are like okay these guys are they're not going to increase their prices on us they're pretty stable on that sides but in terms of convincing them, I don't know. It's <laughs> it's hard to say. Like I think we just tried to show the value as much as possible. At the time, we didn't even have any free trials or like any like, hey, you can try this for free, which is great for us now because if anyone has any hesitation, no problem. You can try our stuff for yeah. 14 days free, no questions asked, cancel at any time, month-to-month billing. So we didn't have any of that going on back then. So we just really had to show the value. Your naive confidence, as you put it, probably helped you with that pricing because restaurants are like quite low margin 
yeah. businesses and when a lot of indie hackers are starting projects they tend to go really cheap because they don't have all that much confidence in it but yeah. the more i speak to people that go after this higher price point a hundred dollars a month mm. plus you hear a lot more success stories like of, of actually really sustainable businesses rather than mm. trying to service 10 times more customers at 10 bucks a month mm. which tends to be really hard yeah and if you can show like tangibly what that return might look like, I know yeah. with even our first couple customers, one being a restaurant in Winnipeg here and just down the street from the uh, Winnipeg Jets arena. And so they would have the hockey games on after the hockey games, he would shoot out these, the text messages for these promotions, these deals that were going on. Mm. And right off the hop, when he was using our product, he, you know, he would send us a text or send us an email or whatever and said like, man, like I just pulled in like 40 extra customers based off these promotional texts going on. So like right then it was like, okay, well, what does that equate to? 40 extra customers having some drinks, having some food. It's at least a couple thousand dollars minimum and they're paying 99 bucks for the product. So right then, you know, you have those reviews, testimonials, case studies right away off the hop really helped us. And so you were saying you sort of landed on this almost goldmine of reviews when you went over full over software. At what point in the story is this? What sort of revenue were you at and how did this impact the business? We were probably only making probably like 5000 so. And from then, did it sort of take off? Were, were yeah. the days of door-to-door -door sales over? How were you attracting people into Discover the Product? Yeah, that's kind of when it, it took off. We started pitching it differently on like, hey, we can help you get reviews. This is, what's, this is how we're going to drive more sales, more customers, all that kind of stuff. So it took off from there. We definitely stopped doing door-to-door -door sales <laughs> as, that's, <laughs> as, that's not, as that's not scalable. So yeah, we just, we kind of, we started playing around with different different channels, cold email being our, our best one. Cause again, really? bootstra bootstrapped, it was, it was free. We could pitch, we could show value. We could get to an owner. We definitely dabbled in Google ads, Facebook, Instagram. That worked out decent for us. It was okay. But the one thing, again, if you are trying to be really efficient money, you can spend a lot. Your cost of acquisition goes up crazy when you're, if you want to throw on Google ads, like it can cost you five, 10 grand a month. It's more, I would say for kind of the, the businesses that are on a cash burn model. So email was, is definitely one of them. The affiliate program that we rolled out, we're getting pretty good at just like SEO and content creation on our social feeds. So anything that was essentially free is we just got really, really good at it and kind of over the last three years just kind of mastered that. So Dan, on, on your Twitter, you have, you're at over 2 million ARR bootstrapped. Is that sort of where you are now? We're creeping up on 2.5. So we're, we're doing, yeah, we've, we're doing well. Good news. Team size? We have about 20 employees. So where'd you go from here? Is it just a case of slogging away? For the next few years, building up something, selling, raising, where do you see it going from here? You know, obviously we're, we're going to scale this as much as possible. We'd, we'd like to get to at least five, 10 million ARR. Mm -hmm. It's a super, super solid company. Again, we've been profitable from, from essentially day one. I think if we were to go the VC route, it'd be down the path. Yeah. Like it would, you know, I think a lot of the times that causes stress and, you know, I've talked to a lot of founders and a lot of people and it causes a lot of stress that you just, you, you don't have bootstrapping. So I think right now, yeah, we're, we're doing great. It's a good lifestyle business and 
trying to scale it as much as possible, build out. Right now, we're trying to build out the, the dev side. So that's where we're falling uh, behind a little bit on new features and stuff like that. Just because there's so many, but I would say just, just trying to get to the, the next goal of 5 million and then kind of go from there. Where does most customer acquisition come for you now? Yeah, the two channels that, that, that work for us, again, has always been cold emails and those cold emails, very, they're very personalized, all of them. And they have like, we'll send out like videos and stuff. So our sales team will make a video, do some research on the business, send it out, show them how we can add value. So that's definitely one channel. The other one is just calling. So we're, we're slowly building that out. So we have someone doing that right now and just like calling the business again, trying to get someone booked on the calendar, show them that we can add some value to their business. So those are the kind of the two that have worked. And then the other channels like the affiliates and partnerships and integrations. Recently, integrations have been a big one too, just partnering with some of the bigger like CRMs and stuff like that. So. Ah, this is interesting because a lot of founders I speak to have scaled SEO or content ads. Rarely have I heard of every anyone doing cold email and cold calls. So what makes a good cold email for you and what sort of software are you using to help close some of those deals? Uh, we use instantly.ai. It, honestly, it's a great software. We've, we started using them maybe a year ago or something, but we've always had like MailShake or, and going back to your question, so what makes a good cold email? Yeah. R- really personalization. A lot of people just say, hi, hey, James, and then just throw in like a canned message. But we've used software a couple different softwares but actually just recording a quick like 10 second clip and or 20 second or 30 second and sending it to the business owner so it's fully personalized and then having any 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 sort of context within their business so actually showing that we just did the research and and did the legwork and so and that's one of the things that sounds super super simple it is it's just a lot of work and people want the the hyperscalable, do it once, optimize it, move on to the next thing. So how does cold emailing scale? Is it just is it just grinding it out with sort of a system you've got in place for this research, kind of templated but personalized? So there's there's definitely a way that we we go about kind of researching businesses and targeting and building lists. We have someone we have people doing that. So we have someone obviously looking at businesses that we could we could potentially help. I don't know how scalable you would other people would would say it is. Again, it's 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 not like SEO where like and that's something <laughs> we're doing right now and like yeah. doing a better job of our content because again, it's like you put a piece out there and then over time it it'll, it'll bring you more and more leads, but I end every episode Dan on three recommendations, a book, a podcast or an indie hacker entrepreneur. What have you got for me? I always say Shoe Dog, Phil Knight podcast. I would suggest yours. Why not? <laughs> oh, I've, no, listen- I've another one. I've, okay. I've, I've been listening to yours quite a bit. Another podcast right now that I'm listening to, it's called The Forward with Lance Armstrong. Indie hacker, entrepreneur, I would say Nathan from ConvertKit. Nathan's a very cool guy. Dan, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Indie Bytes. A big thank you to today's sponsor, Ahrefs, the best tool for growing your business using SEO. Before I go, there's three things I think you could be interested in. First is my new podcast with Dagobert Renouf called This Indie Life. Second is ad-free extended episodes of Indie Bytes with the membership. And third, if you have a podcast but editing takes up all of your time, drop me a message and I can help you out.
All links will be in the show notes, so head over there. That's all from me. See you next week.